0: This episode of The Pedalship Project is brought to you by CycleBlaze, a welcoming community of people who love to travel by bicycle. Post your own travel journals, follow other people's journals, or talk about bike travel in the forum. All for free at CycleBlaze.com. Greetings and welcome to another edition of The Pedalship Project. The Pedal Shift Project is a series of conversations, thoughts, and experiments around the bike touring lifestyle. From tips and tricks to ideas on how to ride your ride, let's shrink the world by bike. Show notes and more are available at pedalshift.net slash 149. And you can email me at the show pedalshift at pedalshift.net or call the voicemail hotline 202-930-1109. And you can check Pedalshift out on most of the socials as well. Hello, everybody from snowy Washington D.C. This is Tim Mooney, and welcome to the nearly sesquicentennial, the penultimate episode before the sesquicentennial episode of the Pedal Shift Project. Uh, very excited to be chatting with you. I have a little bit of cabin fever. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I grew up in a place, as you know, Western New York, where you know. if uh, the wind blows funny uh, you'd get a couple of feet of snow off the lake now I live in Washington DC and we get you know we eh, have five six inches of snow and the whole world collapses but it's kind of funny I've lived here long enough that I've gotten used to those conditions so I'm all kind of like kind of bundled up inside after this latest snowstorm apparently we're gonna get another hmm, who knows who knows what's gonna happen but in any event it kind of puts a crimp on my winter bicycling <laughs> as I uh, get ready for my next bicycle tour we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment of course um, I've got to a great episode for you. I, In fact, this was originally going to be last week's episode, but because the conversation with Doug Regner was so good, I wanted to make sure that he got an entire episode all to his lonesome because this was a lot of chatting about the Great Allegheny Passage, the C&O, uh trails, you know, that are near and dear to my heart. And he is a guy in the know. So you want want to listen to him about all the things that we talk about. So that's going to be coming up in a little bit. Wanted to start off with a little bit of housekeeping, as usual at the top of the show, just to get you all prepared for the next, oh, say month and change of content because we got a lot of great stuff coming. Uh, next episode, of course, is the 150th edition of the Pedal Shift Project, and we are scheduled to do the beginning of the beginner series, and that's really exciting. Um, I've got a brand new candidate slash victim for that, and we're looking to hopefully get that being uh, the 150th episode, which I think is kind of cool. So that will be next week uh, as I sit here releasing this. Uh, we will be also doing the preview episode of the Cross Florida tour that's going to be the preview episode. that'll be episode number one fifty one at the end of the month at the end of January, and then uh as always, while I go off on bike tour, generally a best of goes um it works out that way kind of nicely sometimes. I tend to be doing beginning of tours at the beginning of the month when the best ofs hit, which is good <laughs> very helpful for me uh because then I don't have to release a podcast like while I'm on tour very, very important uh, bit of sausage making that I talk about. You don't want to know how podcasts get made. Um, In any event, so we'll do the best of while I'm on tour. And then for the next two weeks, episodes number 152, 153, uh, through the middle ish part of uh, February, we will be doing the basically whatever the tour turns out to be. Those two weeks will mash into a couple of podcast episodes. And then the week after that, that's going to be February 22nd. That's going to be on a Friday. Uh, That's Friday, February 22nd, pedal shift live. Make sure you, you come around for that because that's going to be the live version of the wrap-up episode. So if you can't make it for the 22nd, you'll be able to check it out on video on YouTube later, uh, or you can stick around as in the next week. And that's going to be one episode number 154 of the show, uh, which will be on February 28th. See, we're getting all the way through February with this stuff. It's pretty wild, the cross-Florida wrap-up episode. So either join us for the live show, which I encourage you to do, or uh, stick around for the pod, which will be coming out on the 28th. And then all of a sudden we're in March and we got another best of. So all of a sudden, you know, we're starting to get closer to the spring, which is kind of exciting, kind of cool. Um But at the same time, we're talking about touring, so that's really great. So reminder, I talk about this Cross Florida tour. If you were not with us last episode, I'll give you a little bit of a rundown on that. The Cross Florida or XFL tour, it's a roll-your-own-route kind of a thing. I'm not going to be following any kind of ACA routes that I'm aware of, at least. Maybe I am and just don't realize it, and I put way too much work into this route. (laughs) And and the reality is I didn't need to. But um, I'll be rolling my own route from Tampa. Uh, All the way to the, uh, I say it's the Gulf Coast. Technically, it's in the middle of Old Tampa Bay is where I'll be starting. Uh, There's a little park, Cypress Park there, uh, right on Old Tampa Bay. So not technically all the way to the west coast, but we're gonna we're gonna call it that. I I feel like Tampa's close enough. Starting in Tampa, going all the way to Cocoa Beach on the east, and that will be the real deal Atlantic Ocean that I'll be seeing. Um and and fun. I'll be spending a night on a boat there, which should be fun. Uh, episodes drop in two weeks. Like I said, the preview episode drops in two weeks. That's really really fun. And I have to tell you, I I, I get excited for my tours. Um very frequently, my girlfriend will be like, "Oh, are you excited about your tour?" And sometimes I'll be like. Hey. Yeah, yeah, I guess. This one I'm really kind of stoked about. I don't know why. Maybe it's maybe it's the snow outside. Maybe it's the fact that I feel like I'm getting one over on winter by going out on a tour. But yes, Florida in a few weeks. It's going to be very exciting. Got some podcast sponsor slots available starting. Ooh, let's see in a couple of weeks. we got some openings coming up. So if you are interested in that, check it out at pedalshift.net slash sponsor for more information. Now, up to the meetups and live shows. I really, really, really am excited about the Miles of Portraits events that are happening in Northern Virginia and D.C. Now, Northern Virginia, you folks in Tyson's, uh, meet us up at the Tyson's REI, January 22nd. That's the Tuesday, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Uh, I've got a link in the show notes. Make sure you register. The reason why I'm super excited is because I got word from Annalisa that the D.C. event, which is on the Thursday, that's the 24th, Six thirty to eight thirty at the DC REI. We've already got more than fifty people registered for that, which is super exciting. I I had no expectations as to what kind of crowds we would get, but um, we're we're getting some people. So if you want to hang and chill with. Some like-minded bicycle tour kind of folks, this is a really good opportunity for you to do it. I don't know what the numbers are like at Tyson's, but I do know that DC's up to 50, uh, according to Annalisa, which is awesome. So I'll be doing the MCing. I'll be uh, kind of helping out with the Q&A as well for both events. If you are around for the d c event or if maybe you can't make to the d c event, but you're around that night and want to come, we're doing a meetup immediately after so Thursday the twenty fourth of January, probably starting about eight forty five maybe nine o'clock at Wondergarten. Might be Wundergarten if you're a, if you're German. I know I know we've got a new supporter. Joachim probably knows uh, knows that uh, friend friend of the show and Pedal Shift Society so- supporter there from Germany. Uh, I think we're calling it Wundergarten here because we're because we're Americans and don't go all all Deutsch with our uh, pronunciations. But that's where we're going to be doing the meetup, and it's a really cool space. It's got kind of like an outdoor area with a fire pit. It's got a heated indoor area uh, that's sort of the beer hall. There's food available, whatnot. It is 21 and only. So if you you were thinking family event. Unfortunately the, the after show won't be possible for that. But if you're over 21, come on down. Come on down. Let's 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 all meet up. Uh Annalisa's gonna be there, Eric's gonna be there, I'll be there. And uh we're really excited about the two events and the meetup. So that's coming very, very soon and I hope to see you all there. In addition to that meetup opportunity, I've gotten some nice feedback. So I think this is a go. It's just a question of where. The Cross Florida Orlando, Florida meetup is going to be Saturday, February 9th. The time is still TBA because I want to kind of see where whether there's a group that can only do a certain time or whatever. Go to pedalshift.net slash Orlando and fill out the form there just so that I know everybody who is interested in coming so I can shoot out emails directly to you. I think I've got an idea on the where already. There's this cool area called Barley Row in a kind of cool part of uh of Orlando that's not the touristy parts and I hear it's pretty dope, so that might be where we end up going. Um Saturday, February 9th, afternoon, probably sometime in the afternoon, maybe maybe later afternoon, but uh that's where it's going to be. That's the first Florida meetup I've ever done. And that'll be immediately following my tour. So you can come, ask me questions. Hopefully I made it. Spoiler alert, if I'm if I'm there, I made it in some way, shape, or form, right? So that's uh, pedalshift.net slash Orlando if you are interested in that. That it's not really a sign up, it's just to let me know that you're interested so that I can get more info to you directly, and also so we can stay in touch on the day of. Last but not least, I already talked about this pedal shift live. If you can't make any of these meetups, come to the live show because the live show is an opportunity where if you've got an internet connection, you can hang Friday, February 22nd, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's going to be the wrap up show for the Florida tour. As I talked about, we're going to do takeaways a whole lot more. We'll do another AMA. I've actually already gotten an AMA question. AMA means ask me anything. If you're not in the know on that, basically ask me anything you want about bicycle touring, about the show. Uh, last time, like I said, I think we had a, somebody asked whether I prefer Star Wars or Star Trek, and it was very controversial. So yeah, you can, you can ask me questions like that, I suppose. Now it doesn't mean I necessarily will, uh, well, I guess it is ask me anything. Okay. I could get in trouble on this. Pedalshift at pedalshift.net for those AMA questions, or just come into the chat box on the night of, you'll know where it is. Pedalshift.net slash live. That'll get you there. Uh, if you're really sophisticated and you follow the YouTube channel, you should be getting, uh, uh, what do you call them? Those notifications and things like that as well. So go check that out. YouTube is how we run this. And uh, I'm excited for this one too. I I have to, I'm often accused of being very enthusiastic. And I, you know what? I, I don't know why. I, 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 I think that maybe I am enthusiastic because I'm just excited about everything that's coming about with the podcast and with all of these opportunities to hang out with y'all. So uh, lots of lots of new things, lots of new things coming in the next couple of months. And I hope I get a chance to hang out with you. Next up on the show is The Interview, and this is featuring another chat with Doug Regner. And I definitely invite you to check out our very first discussion, which was literally right when we met way back in episode 051 episode number 51 so we are nearly 100 episodes later before our next discussion so a lot of literally water under the bridge we talk a little bit about some of the flooding issues in this interview and uh, a whole lot of really interesting information that he's got about both the gap and a little bit about the cno as well Uh, that's because doug's really kind of a guy in the know doug is the director of community relations of the allegheny trail alliance and that's a coalition of trail organizations charged with promoting and enhancing the Great Allegheny Passage. The Gaps, a one hundred and fifty mile trail system between Maryland and Pennsylvania, or depending on where you go, Pennsylvania and Maryland. And during the off season, Doug also works to publish Trail Guide, which is the publication of both the Gap Trail and the CNO Canal Towpath. And through his work with the Trail Guide Doug uncovers develops and maintains healthy relationships. He, this is the official bio. <laughs> uncovers develops maintains healthy relationships with local communities and leaders, visitor bureaus and trail related businesses along the 335 mile corridor. One other thing that I learned from Doug's bio is that he's a uh, National Park Service Trails and Rails volunteer and Where he does it is kind of the more interesting thing. He does it on the Capital Limited Amtrak train between Cumberland and Washington, D.C., which means he's in the observation car talking about the trails as the train goes through, which I think is really, really freaking cool. I think uh, if you end up on the train when Doug is doing his volunteer work, you are in for a treat because the guy knows a lot about both of the trails, especially on the Gap side of things. So let's chat with Doug about... Great Allegheny Passage. Hi, Doug. Welcome to Pedalshift. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. Hey, it's good to have you on the show. It's good to talk to you again. It's been, let's see, we bumped into each other, I figure, I think a couple of years ago on the Great Allegheny Passage. I feel like it was like near West Newton. Do you remember that at all? The, like where we were, where you were, you were collecting trail data, if I recall correctly.
1: I do. And it was actually three years ago. And it was in a small town, which on paper looks like Buena Vista, but it's pronounced Buena uh, Vista. And yes, I was filling in as a volunteer that day to help collect some trail data, counting travelers east and west along the trail.
0: I have to say that you've been kind of a rescue point for me for a variety of pronunciations of the area. Like, I think, I think you got me onto Dravo properly (laughs) and a few other things, but I'm a hot mess in, in your neck of the woods. So I may lean on you a little bit. If we, if I mispronounce something in the uh, Great Allegheny Passage uh, litany, you definitely let me know because I've been massacring it forever.
1: Hey, however you want to say it is fine. Just invite your friends to come ride it, walk it, or hike it. That's all we ask.
0: Totally. And it's funny. It's like, it's a test, right? You know, who's a local and who's a visitor and all of that. So you are with the Allegheny Trail Alliance and kind of your best elevator pitch. What does the Allegheny Trail Alliance do and what's it's doing to make touring in the region better?
1: Well, the Allegheny Trail Alliance is continuing to promote the Gap Trail um, as a destination both for, you know, local folks, regional folks, but also the international people that look for those cycling friendly corridors. Um And we're largely, uh, you know, we're very happy with the towns and the businesses that welcome travelers through every mile through all along the way.
0: Most people who listen to this show or, you know, unless they're really new, probably have heard me refer to the Gap or the Great Allegheny Passage. What's sort of the history of that trail? I know it's an amalgam of several trails that came together, but it's only history as a full unit is relatively recent. What's sort of the background on all of that?
1: Well, correct. So way, way back in the 70s, um, there was a group of people that started building, say, one part of the trail and, you know, across the state line, past the Mason-Dixon line into Maryland. There was folks over there that were claiming land and building some trail, but they, they formed an alliance back in the nineties. And that, you know, has still been one of our strong points is to be this alliance of knowledge and resources that eventually came together and renamed each of the individual trails, which some people may remember the Boston Trail or the, uh, the regional trail, uh, excuse me, the Connellsville Trail section, Ohio Pal State Park section. And, you know aptly known and the brand is now the Great Allegheny Passage aka the Gap Trail.
0: I came into the Gap Trail when it was fully realized. I I didn't ride any of the trails before that happened and yet you can still see a lot of the different kind of um, I guess the legacy uh, maps and things like that along the way where you can kind of realize oh this was a piece of a trail that kind of stood alone for a little while until it had the broader link up. Um it was it was that sort of something that's um, benefited the, these trails? where they, I, I assume that once you linked up some of these trails, they ended up getting higher ridership as a result of all of that, and the towns probably ended up having a lot of benefits as well.
1: Correct. I think everybody coming together and working as a team and and having a bigger goal of a very um, distinctive and very popular 150-mile trails are far more attractive um, to both people nationally and internationally you know, for people to plan vacations. If they come to America, you know, people frankly aren't coming to bike a 10 mile trail or a 50 mile trail they're coming usually for the whole 150 mile experience it really
0: it makes a big difference because i know when i'm looking out for a bike tour that's a trail based one you know i've seen a lot of really great rated trails but when they're you know 20 miles long it's sort of like okay well that's 2 hours for me at worst so you know it's kind of good to have a multi day experience and and the gap is definitely that and then you pair that together with the cno which kind of ends up in my backyard all of a sudden, I can kind of roll out of my home in d c and end up in pittsburgh you know five six days later and it's uh it's a it's a heck of an experience so do you find that that people are linking together the c and o a lot more or are people generally doing the pittsburgh to cumberland uh portion of the gap more what what's what's sort of the 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 feel that you get because they are two very different types of trails when all of a sudden done
1: it 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 varies but i'll I'll answer that from a point of from my many visits into Cumberland, which is about 90 miles from 90 minutes from Pittsburgh. I co- constantly meet people that are coming down the Gap Trail and they're on their way to the C&O Canal, and vice versa. I'll often meet people from the C&O Canal that will look at the the hillside behind them, the lush green mountains that line Cumberland, um, that head up to Big Savage Tunnel, and they'll say, "Well, wait, how far does the trail go? Where where's that go?" Because maybe they were first introduced to the trail by finding a CNO and o Canal towpath map and so the map they originally had didn't have a gap map on the other side or they didn't uh, they weren't in a visitor center somewhere in a city that knew anything about a rail trail from Maryland to Pennsylvania because maybe where they were it just had a national park map so in- anyway regardless they still say well, where does that go and they say oh that's the smooth trail that's the gap trail that goes all the way to Pittsburgh and Sometimes it'll cause people to extend their trip, but more often it'll cause them to come back and want to do the whole thing from city to city, Pittsburgh to DC or DC to Pittsburgh. Oh,
0: absolutely! I remember the first time I started doing through riding of the CNO because I'm on the DC side, and you know I would end my trips in, in Cumberland and just sort of gaze longingly, going, "Hmm, you know <laughs> that 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 might be just a few extra days. I just don't have it in my system." But it took me a little while until I was able to kind of do the whole system all at once. And yeah, it is. It's just a, an amazing thing to be able to traverse. The terrain that you traverse and connect these two great cities here on the East Coast together all by bicycle, all completely traffic free. So it's kind of an amazing thing that sort of the serendipity of, you know, how things were built and um, when the rails and the canal were no longer necessary or usable, then all of a sudden we've got this great, amazing trail for us to bicycle hike, use for, for day trips or for, for uh, through rides, which is pretty great.
1: Exactly. And if I can just add on to that amazing piece by saying the, the amazing reaction we get from people is that this trail is very, very smooth and well-maintained by so many groups and partners from Pittsburgh to Cumberland, but it also goes through the mountains, which sounds scary, but we're not talking about a Tour de France type mountain. And we're talking about a nearly level rail trail that largely, you know, the grades are largely 1% or under. And uh, it's really a fun, amazing journey, whether it takes you two days or four days, you know, to do the gap trail. It's so scenic and, and really is fun to go town to town and eat whatever you want, enjoy some ice cream and maybe stay somewhere along the way in a and b or a hotel.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the great trails. I mean, I've t- I've talked about kind of the Gapco as a uh, part of the triple crown of bike touring in the United States because I think it's just got so many great oh, amenities along it. Oh yeah, definitely. Um so I want to talk a little bit about the what's happened in the past year and maybe take a little look forward to 2019 as well. At least in DC and I suspect up to to the Pittsburgh area as well. The it was just a really challenging year for weather on both of the trails. What's the status of the Tunnels and the trail conditions as we head into the off season. I, I know the CNO took a real beating. Did the Gap uh, get kind of the same treatment? I know it, it it's built a little bit better to handle the wet weather, but I'm just curious if it's kind of went through some of the same challenges.
1: It did. We we definitely saw our share of landslides. Um, as as you and many people know, both trails historically line very popular rivers. The Gap Trail follows largely the Castleman River down from Laurel Highlands into the Yaukagini River. But our trail sits much higher up, so it didn't suffer from as much flooding like the CNO did from the Potomac River. But, um, we still, we, you know, we had groups get out there pretty quickly and, um, you know, we overcame some landslide hurdles that we had and very few times we had to detour traffic. Uh, but unlike the CNO, the gap trail goes from neighborhood to neighborhood. So aside from a hill here or there, it wasn't too bad to circumnavigate somebody around. A closed section for a few hundred feet and even those closers were were just mere days you know two or three days tops so it wasn't too bad it was actually they just announced here in pittsburgh it was a record rainfall since 2004 that's the most amount of rain we've had in the region in almost 15 years in dc
0: it was our wettest year ever and uh furthermore in uh, washington post today as we record this there was an article that showed uh compared the dc 2018 weather to new orleans and some of the wettest places in the country so it was just absolutely miserable from a if if you like dry weather in your year this was not the year for you in 2018 and it definitely affected the bicycle touring for sure and you know a, a trail like the great allegheny passage can handle it a little bit better than the cno which just got hammered as i've you know, people are probably sick of me hearing me talk about it on this show but uh i think that uh we're all hoping for a little less uh, water falling from the sky in 2019.
1: Yeah, if we're all bragging about sunburn next year, we'll we'll be very happy. So, but it, it brings to light something that a lot of people don't think about. Since you talk so much about bike touring, you know, on our trail or other trails, but when it's raining, there's lots of text messages and emails, and the next day, when many of us are either traveling or going to our day jobs. Um, mine happens to be with the trail system. Our trail volunteers are readily going out to the trail to check on section and make sure it's open. And that's the, I think that's the difference that I, I have to brag and really promote along the gap trail is that the volunteers and partnering communities we have, they recognize that this isn't just the daily trips where people are biking up or down the trail for a few hours, but rather some people have planned their vacation from Italy or China or Ohio. And, you know, they're here spending a couple of days in our region and we want to make sure their trip can happen. So we've got really dedicated and and world class people to to get out there and take a look, see at the trail after those rainy conditions.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Is is the ATA kind of a, a clearinghouse for volunteer work if somebody lived along the trail and wanted to be a volunteer in some way, shape or form? Or is that done in a more local way?
1: It's it's done in a more local way, but <clears throat> that's a very good question. The alliance itself, the trail alliance, is, you know, lots of knowledge. It's an alliance of knowledge and resources. So each of the individual sections may have their own volunteers, but there's no harm in sharing if we have people from one side of the trail that want to go and volunteer on another one. You know, we can certainly make that happen, and we're always looking for new faces. And wink, wink, we're always looking for younger volunteers nowadays, too, to get more youth involved.
0: Yeah, I think that that's probably the biggest thing out there is just to get a wide diverse array of people to get out there because different schedules can cover different ways and different people have different skill sets. So, yeah, it's awesome to get everyone who wants to do something, whatever your local trail is. And if you're between Cumberland and Pittsburgh, man, go out there. You know who to call now. (laughs) I feel like you're a guy in the know, Doug. I'm just I'm just here to tell you I've got a few questions about. Some rumors and some other things, and I'm I'm hoping that maybe you can give a little bit of a scoop on some of these things that I've been hearing and maybe some other folks who've been listening have been hearing about the Great Allegheny Passage in particular. The number one thing that I have always found when I am doing a through ride of The Gap is just the spacing of camping. And what would be amazing just for the rhythm of how I ride would be a better camping option in or around Ohio Pile. And I had heard that uh, Ohio Pile was looking to create either through the state park or some other way, a hiker biker campsite at the trail level, as opposed to the one that's, you know, up the big, uh, crazy steep trail. Um I, I'm curious, have you heard such a thing? Do you know of such a thing? And is that the kind of thing that might be coming in the future? What, what's, what's sort of the scoop on that?
1: You're not far off. It it was supposed to happen this year in 2018. I have heard from the park that uh, Ohio Powell might, might have that done next year. You'd have to check with uh, their Facebook page or ours. Um, that'll be something. Certainly, it'll be big news. So if we get wind of it and when they let us know, we'll post it accordingly on our Facebook page. and our website but yeah they have been working they have the land they have the money there's a little bit of red tape to make sure that the site is suitable and complete for all travelers so and if you're familiar with the campground in ohio pile um off the trail near the high bridge the campground will be located very close to there it just won't be up the hill so
0: that's huge news really because uh it's so funny Mm -hmm. i have i've talked to you know Dozens of people who do the gap, and you know, whenever I talk to them, they're always they're always set to go. I, I cannot is it I can't remember the name of the campground, but it's part of the state park. Um, and and I always tell them, you know, it's it's great. I hear it's a wonderful campsite. But you do know it's up a really, really long mile steep hill and, and and pushing up a loaded bike up that trail is not super easy or even doable at all. And I ran into a couple of guys uh, when I did the Katie Trail this year who listened to the show. Hi, guys. The Michigan guys, as I like to call them. And I said, hey, you know, everybody says they're going to do it once and then they swear they're never going to do it again. And they got back to me. They said, I totally know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> so it will be
1: amazing. Yeah. Yeah, to a famous mile marker 73. That's it. That's the one. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be much more friendly. Oh, that's
0: fantastic. And also it you know 73 is a great spot for uh, a, you know, it's either a long day from Pittsburgh or if you're getting a late start in Pittsburgh and you and maybe you go to Dravo or something like that, then then it's a nice 50 miles to Ohio pile. And that's just from a spacing perspective. It really would be fantastic. So I'm looking forward to that. It sounds like it's going through the state park is, is the state park system. Is that correct? Or would it be a uh, a different entity that would be doing it?
1: No, no, it's uh, it's a state park DCNR project. Right,
0: so that's fantastic. That's really great to hear. Thanks for for confirming that. Um, are is there any other news on on camping options from maybe that mid trail point around Ohio Pile down towards Cumberland? Because it's it's interesting to me as an observer. Is there's tons of great free camping. You know, a lot of those Boy Scout projects. Um, up, uh, uh you know, kind of late in the trail towards Pittsburgh. Well, I, I say later. You may say early in the trail, but on that on the Pittsburgh side of the trail, but a, it gets a little more sparse as you go from Ohio Pile down. Uh, is there any kind of word on any uh, new options that you're aware of uh, coming up in 2019?
1: Not, not new options. I think a lot of people forget or maybe just aren't aware of that the trail lines private property. So for, for us to put a campground in is, is a whole game changer because it's pretty much not going to be on the trail. It's going to be on somebody's farm. Um, but yeah, and I think a lot of people overlook there's a campground in Myersdale referred to as the maple festival campground because it's where the annual maple festival every March is held right in Myersdale. But the festival after the maple harvest is only in March. So the campground is available for groups up to nearly a hundred people. And that goes all the way through the end of the year, I think, till November.
0: Yeah, that's a really good spot. You know, you, yeah, I I think that that's a resource that's missed a lot. Absolutely. I also remember you, I don't know if you remember this, but we were talking about uh, where Amtrak should have a train stop and you were a big proponent of Myersdale, if, you, if I recall. It's a good town for something <laughs> like that. You've mentioned on some of the forums, you, you you tend to be on a lot of the Facebook forums and stuff like that, I noticed, that the CNO is getting some resurfacing work done. Do you know if the Park Service is sticking to its guns on sort of the historic nature of the towpath surface, or to, to your knowledge, information, whatever, are they making some exceptions like how they have big slack water being the concrete kind of edifice that it is? Do you know anything about what's going on with that?
1: I don't know what exceptions they would make. Similar to Big Slack Water, I know that was um, an exception because there really was no land to put a towpath on there or a trail. But as far as the resurfacing goes, they're going to try to keep as much of the natural preservation as they can to the area. But looking at it, the, the park doesn't benefit at all, nor do the visitors benefit at all when it floods away. So the resurfacing includes a lot of engineering studies looking at where the water runs off to so that what they end up with now going forward will be more sustainable but also an environmentally friendly design both for the park itself and the people that visit it.
0: That's fantastic news because it's interesting. I I've gotten into how do I want to characterize this? healthy debates with folks over the nature of the surface of the CNO. I mean, there's a lot of folks who get downright angry at the park service for you know, maintaining the nature of the historic park as, you know, a historic surface as well. And it's just really interesting that I, you know, I find that there's some value in that. But at the same time, you know, we also want to have it to be multi-use and not wash away when the Potomac decides to leave its banks like it seems to want to so often. So it's, a, it's good that they're. Kind of trying to find that medium or that middle right, point right. where it's you know this is still a, a historic towpath we still get that kind of experience yet at the same time you know it's it, we're, we're trying to preserve it in a way that makes sense for its use going forward and so we're not constantly recreating the or you know remaking the wheel I guess every time,
1: right, right and exciting for travelers because they've already begun the resurfacing project um, in several sections from Brunswick all the way up towards Shepherdstown is uh, the aim to have that done by next year so they started that back in october
0: yeah for the folks who aren't as familiar with that stretch of the trail it's an area that tends to get the most um, impacted by the weather It, It, it of course you know when the weather happens the river rises out of its banks that's where you can get some really muddy sections there's another section that's a little bit closer to dc that i would love for them to potentially take a look at. But I think that that's a little bit more challenging in some ways. There's a stretch between them and mile marker, like say, oh, 25 to 35 or so that gets similarly muddy. And I'm hoping that they learn some lessons and maybe Find some resources to be able to go after that, because, of course, that's another issue altogether here. Um, I assume that that you may not you may not know the answer to this, but I assume that the government shutdown that we're currently experiencing is probably putting a pause on any work that they'd be doing uh, to the extent they're doing anything during the winter. Do you know anything uh, about what the, the process is or anything like that?
1: That's a good question. I, I can't say I know exactly, but I do know the people working on the trails are include contractors, so they wouldn't be affected at all. They would, uh, you know, be work on as usual.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because the contract happened mm-hmm. before the shutdown and the contractors are private. So Correct. There you go. One of the things that I think on this show we talk a little bit is, yeah, maybe the, cra- the occasional crazy stunts when it comes to bicycle touring and… uh I have been recently reading up on some of the more uh, aggressive riding profiles of the CNO and the Gap, uh, including marathon through riding. Um, how much of a thing is it? And I, I understand that you've kind of uh, dipped your big toe into some uh, uh, crazy uh, lengthy rides of of the Gap, at least. Uh, what's your experience with it, and what have you heard?
1: Um, pr- prior to actually my position with the ATA three years ago. I was part of an approved fundraising ride that was raising awareness and money for a charity and uh I know through a permitting process with the c n o canal and then with the permission of the gap trail back then, we had a relay of about thirteen to fifteen riders I forget how many exactly that were riding two by two all the way from d c to pittsburgh um you know the the stunt of riding I don't think it's a stunt, I think there are generally people out there that find the natural beauty and pushing their bodies and, you know, their minds to the state of saying, I want to bike from Pittsburgh 330 some miles to DC in, in 24 hours. I, I don't think it's um, a real big thing. You know, I think it's fun and uh, people might enjoy that if that's how they want to see the trail, but they're going to spend 12 hours in the dark. So they're not going to see the trail. I think still the majority lies in the people that would do a do a ride like this in three days to five days, um, why miss all that ice cream? Why miss all those restaurants and bars and, and dinners along the way? <laughs> so, but yeah, I do see the popularity online. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued with it
0: because you know you're, we see a lot of race across America and and some of those other types of things, and it's just interesting to see that uh, something like that's happening on maybe a smaller scale. Um, I read about one guy who threw rode the CNO overnight, um, and and I was just completely amazed by it because that's a trail that. You know, for me, it's it's a solid three days and I feel like I'm pushing myself. But, yeah, you're you're totally right. Everybody rides their own ride and people like to do the the, the bicycling on these trails according to what's moves them. And so, yeah, I have, I have no problem whatsoever. I think I say the word stunt just because I admire it Right, <laughs> I right. admire something that I could never possibly pull off myself. Um, but, yeah, it's it's interesting because I think that also tying it into um, the concept of relays, which I know are really popular out west um, but I don't see them quite as much on the East coast. That would be an interesting way to do something like that. And also doing it for charity, which I think is a fantastic thing as well.
1: Right. Right. I hear more, just to add in that I hear many, many more stories of new riders and they echo that, Oh, the gap trail, even at 150 miles, they can complete that in over a weekend. So they still would enjoy a challenge, you know, bike for four or five hours, take some time, get something to eat, get back on the bike, bike for a few more hours, then check into a you know, a and b or a guest house or the hotel in Ohio Powell is pretty much midway along the trail or camp and then get up in the morning, have some fresh homemade donuts somewhere and a good cup of coffee and uh, an overly delicious breakfast and continue on the way and get it done in a weekend. And maybe those people come back and want to do the whole trail all the way to DC if they add in the CNO next time. But I, I do hear a lot of beginner riders are enjoying the gap in just a weekend yeah.
0: I think that the gap is totally doable in two very intense days, but I tend to look at it as more of a three-day trail. Do you have any kind of, I don't know, data or sense of what the typical kind of rider would do? What's maybe the median or the average?
1: I, you know, we don't have a, an active survey or a regular scheduled survey that goes out throughout the year, but just from my own take on it, like my, my, Feet are on the ground, and I'm in the towns, and I run into hundreds of trail people. I haven't met anybody, aside from if they're doing the gap, just the gap trail, then I hear a two-day ride. Aside from that, I usually hear three to five days for the whole trail. Somebody says, oh, I only have a couple days. I want to bike from D.C. to Pittsburgh. Then they plan three long near century days, and they ride you know, maybe from D.C. to Williamsport around Marker 99. And then from there on to Cumberland or Frostburg, and then over the Eastern Continental Divide, it's pretty much 126 miles smooth and nearly downhill all the way to Pittsburgh. So, but yeah, I'd say three to five. What about, uh,
0: I'm curious, I I think my sense is that most people do Pittsburgh to D.C., I I think, and the way you just described it is exactly why, I tend to prefer D.C. to Pittsburgh because I love attacking that sort of Eastern Continental Divide hill up through Frostburg from Cumberland and then having uh, more of a a gentle downgrade, even though it's barely perceptible. um, I find that that's easier riding or more enjoyable riding for me. I'm curious what your opinion is, and do you have a sense of uh, what maybe the majority of riders do when it comes to the Great Allegheny Passage direction?
1: Great question. Love this question, because number one, the last survey we did have was uh, two out of three riders travel Pittsburgh heading east and end up in D.C., and obviously the rest, one out of three, is heading D.C. to Pittsburgh, and largely those folks were the ones commenting that Pittsburgh is a much friendlier town and easier to navigate by bike um, when you arrive into a city like Pittsburgh and our trails and our Point State Park where the Western Terminus is. Um, and as far as my preference, I've done the trail both ways, uh, about seven or eight times total. I've lost count and I don't get overly excited to say how many times I've done it. I just enjoy each time I'm doing it, but I would say my favorite is definitely DC to Pittsburgh. It's, it's fun to bike and end up near my home. I seem to be more, more energized and, uh, you know, I know where my favorite restaurants are. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there you go yeah yeah no it's interesting and i think it's 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 an interesting comment that people say that pittsburgh is feels more i don't like i'm i think i'm putting words in your mouth here that it's more uh caters more to the bikers coming in i think part of that is where in the city the trail sort of spits you out for on both ends in dc you end up in georgetown which is it's just not quite exactly the right spot for um you know, amenities and things like that. And, you know, there because I would I would say of the two cities, and I've bicycled in both of them pretty extensively, I feel like that DC has kind of grown and its its infrastructure is really fantastic. And it's, you know, there's lots of opportunities, but I think where the trail spits you out is not quite the ideal spot. And that might be a a piece of that. And if you're not familiar with D.C., you know, of course, you don't you don't know where to go and where all the bikey things are and all of that. But right. Right. Zero disrespect to Pittsburgh, of course, because it's got fantastic infrastructure, too. So.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. No, Pittsburgh is very welcoming. And I think we've got some world class organizations that preserve and protect our riverfronts. And, you know, with bicycle lanes and multimodal transportation conversations going on around the city, there's lots of ways to get around or other than just walking. Pittsburgh is a rather small city, it's a big city, but it feels really small when you're either downtown or even on the south side, a really popular neighborhood.
0: I just uh, for the first time spent more, I spent basically an evening on the south side. And I really enjoyed that experience quite a bit because, you know, just in terms of the nightlife and the things that are available, it, it, what's sort of your go-to recommendation for somebody who is spending a night, either the, their, the final day after doing a long ride or maybe the night before they're they're tackling the trail for the first time? What's sort of your go-to in Pittsburgh?
1: Oh, wow. I, I would agree with you. Southside is a great place to be because any of the hotels along that, that, section of trail there and there's several, um, most are bicycle friendly. You can take your bike to your room or lock them up in a secure basement somewhere in the, in the hotel garage, but you could walk a couple of blocks or with the bicycle lanes that are over and around that neighborhood as well. You could bike to a local restaurant and there's several bike parking stations now right along the main road there. Um, but that's probably the largest uh, collection of restaurants in the city is just along that one main road in Southside. So it's not a bad pick at all. If not there, um, I definitely just got to play the favorite of going to downtown, PPG Square, and Market Square. It's the center of the city. And for anyone who hasn't been to our city, you really get the feel and the taste of the Berg just being right there, seeing the people, uh, whether it's street entertainers or the restaurants and the bars. You know, you, you can pretty much find it all downtown.
0: Yeah, and uh, one of my... Prior tours, I had a one-way car rental, which I think I dropped off over on Fifth or something like that. So really in the heart of the of the downtown area, and you know had an opportunity to lock the bike up and go uh, have a few ICs uh, in town with some of the locals, and that was that was pretty cool. I mean that's a good way to kind of get things kicked off. But yeah, Southside I really really enjoyed this this time. I mean it's it it's been nice because I've never I've, I've visited Pittsburgh before. I've I've gone there for work. I've gone there. I've had a I had a friend who went to Pitt. Um, you know, I, I, but now I'm starting to be because of this trail, I'm getting to know Pittsburgh a little bit differently. And I think that that's, oh, oh it says a lot about having the gap end in a city like that, that it can kind of foster that kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just super excited that that's been the case uh, that I've gotten to know Pittsburgh a little bit better because of the bike, which is really great.
1: Now, I'd be a fool if I didn't mention that Pittsburgh is, is becoming more famous for having the home. It's the home of bicycle heaven, which is the world's largest bicycle shop and museum and whether you start here and leave town whether you're on a bike or otherwise it is definitely a must see if you like anything about bicycles you'll see bicycles completely brand new they look and appear brand new all the way back from the 50s and 60s so some four or five thousand bikes are in, in the giant warehouse of a store
0: and it's impossible to convey to people what an amazing space this is. Impossible. Absolutely impossible. Agreed. It's crazy. I think a couple of summers ago, I did a a larger sort of gap, Montour, Panhandle Trail kind of loop. And I included a stop by there and uh, was not disappointed. I think folks can look back uh, on. Oh, I'll have to. I'll put it in the show notes for anybody who wants to check it out. But I had some pictures from it. And I think I talked about it in that tour journal for that ride. It's it's an impressively wild place. And, you know, especially if you're of a certain age and you go way, way back with the kinds of bikes that (laughs) that you used to see as a kid, man, you can see some stuff they had. Um, I am not, I I I'm a kind of a seventies kid. There was an evil Knievel bike that I coveted my entire childhood and man, they had like two or three of them lined up next to each other. I just remembered seeing that it was,
1: he still, he still has that bike there. Yeah. That bike is. Upstairs,
0: it's mm-hmm. I, I I drooled over that um uh for uh, for more than a few minutes that is for sure. Um, hey, I have I have Im- important questions left, and the most important question is, um, you introduced me to the Great Yak Twist, which is a um a, an ice cream and burger stand. It wasn't far from where you and I ran into each other, but I- I'm curious, what's your go to order at that at, at that
1: stand? Yawk Twister, it's located right across the street, or nearly across the street from the little Trailhead, about three and a half, four miles from West Newton. My go-to is definitely the Chocolate Twist dipped in the cherry coating. I'm a sucker for the sweet topping. There you
0: go. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember what I got. Oh, last time I went through, they were at close because it was way off season. So there was, I I missed out. It was the first time I've ever done the gap where I wasn't able to get something from them, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to replicate that one on my next trip. I don't, the only time I eat sugar is when I'm on the bike. So it's sort of like I will take advantage (laughs) of that. Thanks for, thanks for the tip on that. So just sort of to kind of wrap things up here, you know, we're a solid few days here into 2019 as we sit here and record this. What's the thing you're most looking forward to on The Gap this coming year?
1: Tough question, but I would I would honestly and genuinely say it's going to be meeting and speaking with new riders. I've been biking now myself for about 15 years, and uh, I can't say I get bored from it. But when I meet the new people that are on the trail and they have that childish kind of unbridled enthusiasm about what they're doing, I I don't look at anyone and think, Oh, that guy's hilarious or that girl's kind of funny. I, I just look at it and I think, oh, my gosh, they're enjoying this more than I am. So every time I meet somebody new and maybe it's their first or second tour, their overnight bike trip, I, I really do enjoy meeting them and hearing the stories where they're from. Um, another way I get to, to learn about other people and the places they travel from.
0: That's awesome. Seeing a trail through a new person's eyes, that's always a great experience. Exactly. Doug, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I really appreciate it. Best to you and to The Gap in 2019. My pleasure. I tell you what, I need to not go Another hundred episodes before I get Doug back on the show again, because I learn a ton every time I chat with him. Um, It was such serendipity to have met him literally on the trail all those years ago. And then now to get him back on the show to talk about all the cool things that are coming up. I'm really excited about getting back on both of these trails again, uh sooner rather than later, and it sounds like there's some really good things that are coming both in terms of making sure that the trails are good. there's the new camping opportunity. I I'm I'm super stoked about this. So thanks Doug again for being on the Pedal Shift project. So go check out the Allegheny Trail Alliance. Um if you are riding the trail, the trail guide is a good resource. Of course, I've got the uh uh CNO guide on pedalshift.net as well, but uh those folks have the the great great trail guide that you should check out if you're interested in that as always we like to close out the show with a special shout out to the pedal shift society because of support from listeners like you pedal shift is a weekly bicycle touring podcast with a global community expanding into live shows and covering new tours like my upcoming xfl trip this winter if you like what you hear, you can support the show for five bucks, two bucks, or even a buck a month. And there's one shot in annual options if you're not into the small monthly thing. Check it all out at pedalshift.net slash society. On to the society. Kimberly Wilson, Caleb Jenkinson, Cameron Lane, Andrew McGregor, Michael Hart, Keith Nagel, Brock Didis, Thomas Skado, Marco Lowe, Terrence Manson, Noah Schroer, Harry Telgadas, Chris Barron, Mark Van Ram, Brad Hipwell, Stuart Buckin, Todd Stutz. Mr. T, Nathan Poulton, Roxy Arning, Stephen Dickerson, Vince LaGreco, Paul Culbertson, Scott Culbertson, Cody Florchinger, Tom Beninati, Greg Braithwaite, John Mayer, Richard Patch, Mark Messer, Jeff Muster, Seth Pollock, Dave Roll, Joseph Quinn, Susan Brewster, Drew Porter, Byron Patterson, Joachim Robber, Ray Jackson, Jeff Fry, Kenny Mikey, and thanks also to all anonymous and past contributors for helping make this show happen. Thank you for joining. You can find Pedal Pedalshift at pedalshift.net for more great bicycle touring content. You can hear the Pedalshift Project through Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Opening music courtesy of Jason Kent off his self-titled album. The track is called America. Check out his band Sunfield's latest release, Mono Mono, wherever cool music is available. A big thank you to Cycle Blaze for sponsoring this episode of the pod. Go to CycleBlaze.com today and find inspiration for your next tour.